Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And we are wrapping up our theme of smells like some mean teen spirits. And if if you didn't catch uh, our last episode on Sunday, we've decided for September we're just going to do our themes around music. Songs. Yep. It'll be a good time. It, It really will. So that's what this week is. And I'm bringing you the case today of Skylar Niece. Are you familiar? I am not. It's a pretty recent case, actually, so some people might recognize it. It's very important to the family that this case continue to be told so that people know exactly what the perpetrators were capable of because they are not sorry for what they did. And these are all just like your case. It's all teenagers. So I'm just going to jump right into it just so you guys know for my research, there is a book, The Savage Murder of Skylar Niece. It's actually an e-book by Darlene Berry and Jeffrey Fuller. And also there is a, a website that is dedicated just to this, themurderofskylarniece.com. And that's where a lot of good, good information, it's a very comprehensive gathering. I got a lot of information from there because it was put together for the purpose of letting everyone know what these perpetrators did and how more than likely they will re- they are completely capable of reoffending again. Oh, good mm-hmm. to know. Everybody check it out. out. Yep. And then there's, uh, check out our show notes because the rest of my sources are also in there as well. Let's get right into it, shall we? All right. Let's do it. All right. So Skylar Annette Neese was born to Mary and Dave Neese on February 10th, 1996. And on her missing persons poster, it actually said Skylar Earl Neese. So I just wanted to mention that because I saw a couple of the posters and but a lot of sources say Skylar Annette Niece. So I don't, I'm not sure what her middle name is there, but those are the two I saw. She is the only child that Mary and Dave Niece had. She was only 16 years old when her life was brutally taken by two heinous asshole teenagers that Skylar actually thought were her best friends. Oh, that's even worse. Yes. Skylar, this is going to be a rough one. So settle in with a drink for this. So a strong cup of coffee or a strong glass of wine, whiskey, whatever your poison is, get it. You're going to need it. Oh, all right. I'm preparing. Now, Skylar was described as intelligent, compassionate. She could be stubborn. She had a very bubbly personality. She was an honor student, and she actually planned to earn scholarships with her academics because she was so hella smart. She wanted to attend college and become a lawyer someday. Oh, wow. And she was mentioned in everything that I read about her as being a really, really good student. She was very intelligent. She went to elementary school in Cheat Lake, West Virginia, which was an area northeast of Morgantown. And when Skylar was in second grade, she met Sheila Eddy at a community center called the Shack Neighborhood House that's right outside of Morgantown. So Sheila Eddy, remember that name. Sheila was born September 29th, 1995. She was also an only child to Tara and Greg Eddy. Sheila actually lived in Blacksville, which was 20 miles west of Morgantown, but 
meeting at this um, community center, the two girls immediately became really good friends. So Skylar and Sheila have actually been friends since they were like eight years old, but they didn't even live in the same town. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sheila's father had actually been previously uh, injured. He got into a car accident and he was on disability. He was unable to work. And I don't know if it was because of that or just accumulation of all of it, but her parents divorced in 2000. Then Sheila's mother, Tara, remarried a man named James Clendon. The family moved to Morganstown, and Sheila and Skyler end up starting their freshman year of high school at University High in 2010 together because new stepdaddy, you know, they moved to Morganstown, so now they're in the same school. Sheila's father was stepfather was actually more well-off financially than her biological father, During that move to Morganstown, basically what happens is now she can afford things that she previously couldn't. She actually started to use this as well as her sexuality to gain popularity in high school, which is interesting because she was definitely more favored among boys than girls, which we've seen time and time again. She had more boyfriends than she did girlfriends. Mm -hmm. And they talked some shit about Sheila. Not everybody loved Sheila. She was described by Skylar's cousin later on as being a bad seed. Oh, and that's definitely right. how she is. Okay. Sheila wasn't the only one that was moving closer to Morganstown at this town at this time. Right after they started their freshman year, Skylar's family moved from the Stonepath townhouses in Cheat Lake to Star City, which is a tiny city that's enclosed by Morganstown. And it was on the um, river that I'm not even, Monagalia River. Good attempt. I don't know. Please don't at me about that, guys. I don't live there, okay? <laughs> so now, not only are they going to the same high school, but now they're living closer to each other as well. Sheila and Skylar are best friends. They're in their freshman year, university high, and they meet Rachel Schof. Rachel, like Skylar and Sheila, was also an only child. She was born June 10th, 1996, to Patricia and Rusty, who also had divorced like Sheila's parents. Rachel was raised extremely religious. She was an active participant in the Young Life activities at at the St. Francis Catholic School before she went to University High. So she was in Catholic school all All through kindergarten through eighth grade and then went to University High. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. What a big adjustment. It is. Yes. And we kind of see what I would describe as just normal teenage rebellion start to happen. The three started hanging out and getting into trouble, drinking, smoking weed, breaking curfew. It's said time and time again that it was Sheila that brought that influence to Rachel and to Skylar because previously before the, the influence of Sheila, these two girls didn't do those things. Gotcha. Some of Skylar's friends avoided hanging out with her when she was with Sheila that because they described her as being mean and controlling. Rachel's friends had similar reservations about Sheila, who they blamed for the changes in Rachel's personality and behavior. Absolutely. She was this devout Catholic girl, and now they're seeing, she's smoking weed, she's drinking, she's staying out late. Mm-hmm. Uh, she became very sexually promiscuous. The, the Catholic schoolgirl, you know. I know there's an old joke there about that, but still, <laughs> but a no, stereotype, get, if you will. Yeah, but you she's, know, she's living up to mm-hmm. it right now. Unfortunately, right. Skylar had no intention of breaking up her relationship with Sheila. 
because she she'd known her since she was eight. Mm-hmm. She was very loyal. Skylar was described in some of the sources, I think it was the book, as being kind of like a counselor to her friends. She was a really good listener, had really good life advice for them. So yeah, I'm sure she could see the issues with Sheila, but in her mind, that wasn't enough to break off her friendship mm-hmm. with her. Um, Rachel's reasons for staying with Sheila are less obvious. She was from a really affluent family and more popular. She didn't need Sheila for her status. Perhaps she simply liked the fact that with Sheila, she was able to do things, including intimate things, that she could not do with friends who shared her religious religious background. Because we're going to learn, Rachel and Sheila begin having a sexual relationship. If you have ever been a teenage girl, a group of two, good. A group of four, good. A group of three, no good. Trouble. One is always on the out. Oh, absolutely, yes. And the dynamics of Skylar and Sheila's friendship change as Rachel Rachel's relationship begins to, especially when it begins to turn sexual with mm-hmm. Sheila. The freshman year with the three girls was normal. It was described even as being really great. There's so many selfies that you can look up. There's a lot of oh. pictures on these girls. <laughs> Selfie game was strong, huh? Yes, yes, because this is like 2011, 2012. You know, they're, we're right in the technology era, you know. So you guys can look all those up. We'll post some too, of course, but there's, a, there's plenty out there. There are many stories of the girls sneaking out, smoking weed, getting drunk. There's even selfies on the SkylarNiece.com. There's showing some Snapchats that Skylar took where she's in the foreground and Rachel and Sheila are in the background and they're in their bra and panties and one of them is on top of the other. Just they're laying, they're laying down on a couch, but one of them is completely mm-hmm. straddling the other down their kiss. They're making out and Skylar's like, how did I end up here? LOL. You know, like this is on their Snapchat. Mm -hmm. They're not being secretive about their sexual relationship. At the start of the girl's sophomore year in 2011, Skylar was put in an awkward position when the three were having a sleepover and she witnessed Sheila and Rachel having sex while they were intoxicated. Awkward situation to put your friend in. Definitely. I mean, the three of you guys are used to hanging out. You're having a sleepover. Like, save that for your private times when it's just you two. Yeah. Like, why are you doing this when you when know Skylar is, is there too? So the situation didn't end well with Sheila and Skylar. They ended up fighting. And this seems to be the turning point where Skylar is now the odd girl out. Sheila and Rachel both have boyfriends who they were very sexually active with too at this time. And so, and Skylar did not. She, she did not have a boyfriend. She was not being sexually active. So she started to be seen as kind of the little sister that was naive and, you know, Aww. not as mature as them and mm-hmm. whatever. The, the three of them started taking to the Twitter. Oh, the Twitter. The Twitter. And some Twitter wars start happening. I will mention some of the tweets that are going to make your skin crawl that happen later. But in this point in time, it's kind of... They're throwing shade around at each other. Skylar hinted at this on Twitter several times uh, to having some secrets because this happened. It was August, like August 16th or something like that, that she witnessed them having sex. 
There was also rumors that she had some videos, had been sent some videos. There was promiscuous pictures and whatnot. And so on Twitter, she's kind of hinting at this where she, on September 6th, 2011, she wrote, quote, I'd tell the whole school all the shit I have on everyone, which is a lot. There's lots of T's. And oh, gotcha. I don't really know how to get that <laughs> to our audience. But okay. And hashtag if I could get away with it, end quote. The arguments, which were often seen on Twitter between Skylar and Sheila, continue to worsen. And then a tipping point comes when in early June 2012, Skylar and Sheila actually went on vacation together on a one-week trip to Myrtle Beach. And they spent the entire week fighting. Which, how much does that suck? Like, you know one of their parents took them. It was like, hey, you want to take your best friend? Yeah, okay. You know, you want to, Sheila's been, Sheila and Skylar have been best friends since they were mm-hmm. eight. Somehow they end up on a one-week trip to Myrtle Beach together, and they fought the entire time. And when they got home, Sheila told Rachel, Skylar must die. Oh, wow. Yeah, we can't just unfriend her. She, she has just to has die. She has to die. Because that's the most logical choice here. And here is a really fucked up detail. So fellow students and teachers at University High overheard Rachel and Sheila discuss the best ways to dispose of a body in October 2011. Now, they went on that vacation June 2012. October 2011 was around the same time that Skylar had witnessed them having drunken sex, okay? And given in in the thing is is that it was brushed off because they were literally in like a forensic biology class and a body had been found behind their school some weeks earlier. Oh. So it was kind of like it was the topic. I, what I'll say is that the, the topic of the discussion wasn't completely misplaced. It was just that the problem is, is they were specifically discussing the disposal of Skylar's body, not just a body. So they had been talking about this well before... Yes. The vacation and all of that yep. as well. And for for simplicity's sake, I'm not saying a bunch of names because I, as I always do, sometimes I feel like it can get too convoluted when we've got too many names floating around. But the people that specifically overheard this said that they were specifically saying to get rid of Skylar. Gotcha. Not, you know, not at all just talking. They weren't just making general statements. So when this got, this conversation was relayed to Skylar, because those other people that overheard it did go and tell Skylar, she ignored it, saying that it's just a game that they've been playing. Hmm. Yeah. That's a really if messed up game. If you ever start playing a game about let's get rid of <laughs> Charnel, I'm not going to play. I'm just... I would hope that someone would be concerned enough to say something if if that game was overheard. Right, right. Like, oh, here's a fun game. Here's a game. How, how many ways could we dispose how of Charnel? How do we get rid of Charnel's body? She's a scrawny bitch. It probably won't take a whole lot. I mean, yeah. That is so warped. That, yeah. And so somebody overheard this even. Yes. And uh, several said nothing. People, several people did. The teacher did not report it. The teacher just kind of felt like it was teenager, you like, know. Oh, there was a body discovered, even though they're yeah. talking about someone completely and and it was different. A, yes, and it was a forensic biology class, so they're like, okay, kids, kids will are, be kids. Kids are morbid as fuck sometimes, whatever. And you know that teacher just wants to get home and smoke their <laughs> weed. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> they don't, probably right. They don't give it. He's back. like, I'm just trying to get through the day here. I <laughs> yes. am turning my ears off. I am not. Yep. Call, I'm not making a report today. I've, I've got ten more years and I'm out. So, whatever. These fucking teens. Yeah. He's too busy applying for other jobs. <laughs> also, probably on Tinder. Like, <laughs> yep. So anyway, they did, even though saying like, oh, yeah, blowing it off is just a game we've been playing. She did confront the girls about their conversation, but they assured her that it was nothing. So she did bring it up like, hey, why are you talking about disposing my body? Kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys. Yeah. But that wasn't the only warning sign. In the spring of 2012, worried that Skylar might blackmail them, Rachel told another student, quote, I wouldn't mind if she died. Wow. I mean, what the? Wow. What? And all the while, they're still pretending to be friends with her. Yes. What the heck? With the exception of their Twitter wars and, you know, you know how teen relationships can be. It's very love-hate until you find yourself as an adult. And even then, sometimes it's questionable. We've all weeded friends out of our life at one point or time or another. but. Mm -hmm. But not in high school. They're just not mature enough to... They're still finding themselves. It's like, themselves. I hate you so much, but you want to come over Friday? give me attention. Yeah. yeah. It's so bad. Hallelujah for being done with that time in my life. <laughs> it was a rough time. I, re- I liked high school, but it's just looking back on it now, I'm like, oh, man, that was rough. If only... It, that, it you know is what rough. They, you know what they say about if only you knew then what you know now? It's mm-hmm. so freaking true. Oh, for I sure. I didn't need to worry about 99.9% of the things that I did worry about. And I should have probably been worrying about things that I didn't worry about. <laughs> and girls are so vicious. I remember just, you know, back in the day when I worked at one of the schools and the bullying, like mm-hmm. the training, is. there is a separate training for girls. Teenage girls. Yeah, we're it vicious. There's like a whole... it's a whole nother beast yes we're vicious but also sensitive as fuck yeah it's horrible whereas boys i can say this confidently as a mother of four boys boys not that they can't be mean or vicious but they're not nearly not to say they're not all sensitives because some of them are but they roll with the punches so much or they fight it out and then they're done done girls plotting And dwelling. They, and they carry that shit to the grave. Yes, triangulating, planning. Yes. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible. And that's exactly what these girls are doing. They literally were planning Skylar's death for their entire sophomore year of high school. Uh, it's July 2012. And, oh, wait, wait. No, I'm sorry. I skipped us the whole thing. Sorry. So according to Marsha Ashton, excuse me, according to Marsha Ashdown, the case's prosecutor, it was... In that spring, when the girls first started getting, like, really serious about planning the murder of their friend. So, a half-jokingly blurted, we should kill her during a science class, was then followed by them escalating to, like, no, really. Like, we're we could do make it. this happen. Uh. Um, they did continue to hang out together. Skylar was painfully and regretfully aware of the state of her friendship with Sheila, who was still seen as her best friend, but she had no idea what was coming. And now their sophomore year is over. The Myrtle Beach trip happens. And now it's July 2012. This piece just freaking really butters my biscuits. Okay. okay. Actually, I don't want to use that one either because I love butter on biscuits. <laughs> Isn't it the best? Chaps your ass. It does. Thank you. This this part chaps my ass indeed. Okay. All right. Rachel, Give it to me. Rachel? was supposed to attend a church camp 
But some severe weather had come through and the camp was postponed. So since they had been actively planning the murder of Skylar, Rachel took the postponement of her church camp as a sign that they should do it now. Because originally they were going to do it when she got back. So, yes, Pussack, that's exactly how Jesus works through people, I'm the sure. The Lord shows you signs. Oh, my gosh. And that's that's my max for the night, so I will talk to you later. Right. Um, right. As always, that, I'm I'm leaving. Can you see what? No, um, it not, I mean, it chaps my ass right down to the core. Like chapping the bone? until it's bleeding. Yes. You need Isn't that cream. horrible? Oh, my church camp. Was postponed. That's disgusting. So now we should. The murder. Lord the, is the telling Lord me. The Lord sent me a sign. Yeah, He works through people, but not for murder. What you heard was Satan, bitch. Yeah, that is Satan speaking to you. Yep. I just that part. It's probably to me. And you're a horrible mm, person. Yeah. I, so a hundred percent. Oh my gosh, why are kids so heartless? I I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that part was. I'm just like whatever. I can't get over that. Yep. He sent the Lord. JC himself sent JC that is storm. Like, it's time, kids. Yeah, Knocked take her out. out. The, the church camp. Come on. So on Thursday, July fifth, two thousand and twelve, Skylar got home from her uh, job at Glenmark Center Wendy's. She worked oh, at Wendy's. I worked at Wendy's in high school, mm-hmm. so now I just have even more of a soft spot for, for sure. her. Yep. Free employee meals. Oh, Wendy's four for four. Yeah. I don't know if that was a thing back then, but it is now, and that, I love that it. That dollar menu, I mm-hmm. tell you what. Is it still dollar or is it like more than a dollar now? I think some of them are a dollar. Back in my day, I don't it was know. a dollar. I'm a fat slob, and I order the whole meal. <laughs> I don't do the dollar menu. <laughs> okay. Get uh, out of here with your dollar menu <laughs> crap. I'm like, I'll take a number six large with cheese. Well, I mean... You're tiny also, enough to I do, do that. I do think that that is the spicy chicken sandwich, and it, it is. is my favorite. Oh, I still know all the numbers. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. that is a spicy for sure. <laughs> yep. So here she is, little Skylar's getting home from work oh. around 10 p.m. She's got her shoes for cruise on. She does, and she probably smells like nuggets. Oh, nuggets for days and mm-hmm. fries. Yes. She, oh, this is sad. I know. Well, don't do this to I'm me. I'm sorry. Close your ears holes for a second then. She kissed her parents goodnight. Oh, God. Told them that she loved them and went to her room. And that is the last time that her parents saw their child alive. Oh. In her Wendy's uniform. Yeah, that's what I'm, mm-hmm. I'm picturing. Little Skylar getting home in her Wendy's uniform. Oh, and she's gorgeous. Ugh. Just such a cute little girl. I bet that visor looked really nice on her. It did. She had a great head. Mm-hmm. So around midnight... Sheila and Rachel text her, asking her for a joy ride to go smoke weed. Not out of the ordinary. This is their norm. So she didn't think anything of it? Not at all. She parked her uh, car uh, next to Sheila, excuse me. Sheila parked her car next to the niece's apartment on Fairfield Street. And Skylar, as had become a habit, snuck out of her room, placing a small bench beneath the room's window and joined the two girls. Sheila and Rachel had originally planned to follow Route 7, west through Cassville and continued towards Blacksville, which is where Sheila was originally from, if you remember, so she's really familiar with it. However, a police car parked near the intersection linking Route 19 to Route 7 scared them off. So then they took an alternative route north through Mount Morris and then headed west towards Blacksville. Roughly two miles west of Blacksville, on a road near Brave, the girls turned north, 
crossed some railroad tracks and drove into Morris Run Road, which is a lonely one-lane back road. The road was very familiar to all three girls. They had driven it many times on their way to or from Sheila's father's house. Um, and because they, Sheila's father's road actually ran parallel to Morris Road where they were going off to smoke their weed. Okay, gotcha. And um, Skylar was sitting in the back seat. They were just looking f- to her. They're just looking for a secluded place to, to do their So she's to not up. thinking anything suspicious nope, yet. No, nope, because all these roads are very familiar to her. They're not doing anything out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. And they're sneaking off, you know. Sheila parked the car on a spot a mile, about a mile into the road. They chatted for a while. And when Skylar started walking toward the car to pick a lighter up, to pick up a lighter to light the weed, Rachel and Sheila literally turned to each other, counted to three, and on this prearranged signal started stabbing Skylar <gasps> with knives that they had kept hidden beneath their hoodies. Oh my gosh. Literally on three. This poor girl. And she thought they were her friends. Yes. Skylar tried to run, but she was tackled by Rachel, who I haven't mentioned yet, but Rachel is 5'8". Okay, so she's, she's a, a tall bigger, girl. taller girl. Mm-hmm. Skylar managed to grab Rachel's knife and fight back, and she even cut Rachel like just above the ankle, but was overpowered by Sheila and Rachel at the same time. Ugh, good for two her, though. One. Good and, for her for trying. Yes. And the two girls stabbed her repeatedly. And when I say repeatedly, I mean 55 times oh my approximately. God. How and why? Like, how can you do this to, to somebody that was your friend since eighth grade? Yep. Well, it's interesting that you say why, because the girls stood over her watching her die. And in her dying moments, all she could whimper over and over was why. Oh, That's my heart. all she wanted to know. And, like, that little detail that is found out later, all I could think of was her parents knowing that. Yeah. That, like, that's what their daughter was saying. Was she just thought like, she was going to be with her friends. Yes. Like, let that sink into everyone and for a moment. And what did they do to her? These are not strangers that you expect that you were scared of because you were thrown into the back of their car. These are your people. Your friends. What you think is your safety net. This would be, like, you stabbing me right now and that is exactly what i would ask you is why why yeah why would you do that and i meant to say what did she do to them i said what did they do to her oh i didn't catch my that, bad but yeah i was distraught but no we will get to the why at the end <sighs> yeah i need to i need to and know why because it's I'm, like i'm uh, actually going to put the why which people know now because they've clicked on the episode but i'm going to make it the title of this episode I think that's a good idea. So Sheila and Rachel had planned to bury Skylar, but the ground was too rocky for their shovels because, you know, they're fucking 16 and don't know how to plan a murder yeah. ahead of time. So instead, they moved the body, her body next to a big tree and covered her with rocks and branches. Then they went and washed themselves off in um, a creek. It was called Morris Run that runs right behind the, the site, and the girls disposed of their bloody clothes and knives. Which have never been found today, by the way. That surprises me. As poorly planned as this I know. probably was. Well, where's the flesh-eating bacteria about, in the river when you need right? it? Right. Thank just you, saying. especially on that open cut on Rachel's ankle. Ex- yeah. Come like, on. Come on, nature. Yeah. Mother Nature really let us down on that yes, one. Yes, it did. 
And they left Skylar's turned off cell phone right next to her body. If you think about it, that was her only lifeline that she had with her. Yeah. And they shut it off just like they did her life and just left it left there. Left it there. All this took this all of this took a few hours. The girls were back home by dawn. Only shortly after this, in a demonstration of Sheila's true narcissism, on social media, she tweeted at nine oh nine AM always keep your cool. And I, there's there's some confliction. Some say that it was six oh nine, but there's uh, where the confliction is coming is from time zones. Gotcha. So yeah, you know, always keep your cool. I didn't, um, I'm not even surprised. I was actually going to ask if they posted on social media and then we got sidetracked because oh. I'm, I'm like, I feel like it's just a thing. You just hang on to that because the always keep your cool is the least offensive thing that they end oh. up tweeting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Skylar's parents had left for work early in the morning of July 6th. It was a Friday. And they were, of course, assuming that Skylar was in bed like she was supposed to be. Why wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. I do that all the time. Um, actually, since we've started doing this podcast now, before I leave the house, I have to lay eyes on all of my children. I, I don't on... let them just sleep in their beds anymore. I'm the creepy mom in the oh, I was doorway. Little, I still, I do checks eyes on supervision. Uh, it keeps y'all safe. That's right. That's what they used to tell us in residential when we, oh yeah. Eyes on. Yep. It's the only Where's way you Where's your eyes, know? parents? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I'm not judging. I'm not, you know, I don't want right. to No, she's judge, just, but. she's just assuming. They're just assuming. Yeah, they're yeah. asleep. Okay. Now her father, Dave, had come home around midday because Skylar had to work that day and she was going to use his car. She needed to go to Wendy's. However, no one was home, and the door to Skylar's room was locked from the inside. So Dave then noticed the small bench outside her open window and realized she had snuck out, which was something that she was prone to be caught doing. He immediately called Sheila to find out, hey, where's Skylar? Because I know you're in on this. Sheila admitted to talking to Skylar on the phone around midnight, but claimed she hadn't seen her. Soon after, Mary, Skylar's mom, got home. Um, the manager from Wendy's called and asked where Skylar was. So now they're like, oh, okay, this Something's situation wrong. is serious. She does not miss work. Uh-huh. Like She may be having her rebellious thing at home where she's sneaking out and drinking and smoking weed and whatnot, but she doesn't miss she work. work. She's got excellent grades. She doesn't miss school, anything like that. So they called, the the nieces called the police. Now, um, the phone rings again, and this time it's Sheila calling back, admitting that she and Rachel had, in fact, gone joyriding around Morgantown with Skylar the previous night. According to Sheila, to the nieces, she said that they had picked Skylar up around 11 p.m. and returned her home at the end of the street in less than an hour before midnight. So soon... Sheila and her mother, Tara, arrived at the niece's apartment wanting to help find Skylar. There Sheila is. Uh, At the scene. Inserting herself. So Sheila, her mother, Tara, and Skylar's mother, Mary, went from house to house on one side of Crawford Avenue while Dave and an officer from the Star City Police Department took care of the other side, asking their neighbors if anyone had seen Skylar. Now, Mary then remembered that the building... So this is Mrs. Niece, Mary Niece, remembered the building had just gotten new security cameras installed. So the they went to the landlord. So this is the nieces and Tara, or uh, Sheila and Sheila's mom, Tara, and the officer, the police officer from Star City, 
go into the tiny room that has the surveillance equipment where I'm wondering if Sheila was shitting her panties. Because they didn't know about the new security cameras. There hadn't been security cameras prior to this. So this is the bummer, though. On the surveillance video, Skylar is seen getting into a car at 12.31 a.m. The car had parked on Fairfield Street right next to the niece's apartment. None of the individuals, no one in that room looking at that footage could tell that it was Sheila's car because it was so grainy. Oh, darn it. And actually, the landlord was like, oh, that's an SUV. Like, immediately, he plants it into everybody's mind that that's not even a car at all. Her car was a silver Toyota Camry. But so, because of the grainy footage, the landlord's like, oh, it looks like an FB, or an FB, excuse me, it looks like an SUV. So then they're just Sheila's like power like, yeah. of suggestion. Yeah, absolutely. Sheila's not offering any information. I'm sure the whole time she's like, oh, fuck, there's my car, there's my car, mm-hmm. there's my car. But no one else can tell that it's her car. I, this is just unbelievable to me uh, that a teenager is capable of doing this. I would have been soiling myself and like, Having a panic attack. You know, Amber, always keep your cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Right? Sorry, I didn't mean, that was like a slap across the face, too. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, no, I get, I But yeah, that's, where, how, that's where she's playing with that. But it's just disgusting to it me. It is. So, considering the video evidence, the officer suggested the nieces give it a few days that Skylar had likely went with someone voluntary. I mean, she walked right out. They could see her walk right out and get into that vehicle. So they did assign Officer Jessica Colbank to the case. And the FBI actually got involved almost immediately because they thought there might be a link to an earlier missing persons case, uh, Aaliyah Lunsford. And so the FBI agent, Morgan Spurlock, joined Colbank, Jessica Colbank, for the investigation. So the two interviewed Sheila on July 9th, and Sheila had said earlier exactly what she had told the nieces. Picked Skylar up at 11 p.m., dropped her off at the end of Crawford Avenue less than an hour later. It is noted in the notes, Jessica Colbank later says that Sheila's behavior was narcissistic and felt wrong. She also seemed more curious about the investigation than she was worried about her missing friend. There nice were observations. Red, yep, there were red flags right from the beginning for Officer Colbank mm-hmm. on Sheila. Colbank also found it strange that they dropped Skylar off such a long way from her apartment. But Sheila simply said that Skylar had insisted that they do so so that they didn't wake her parents up. Yet when they picked her up, you know, according to it Sheila, was it was close mm-hmm. to the. Uh, so they're like, wait a second, it was okay for you to drive up to pick her up at 11. Colbank had noticed Sheila's silver car and considered the possibility that the car could be the one that she had seen on the video. So this isn't like lost on her, but it's just not, it's we're not there so yet. It's so grainy that they're mm-hmm. not 100%. Yep. Now later the FBI does uh, blow up the image. The next day Jessica Colbank called Rachel, who pretended not to have even heard about Skylar's disappearance yet. Hmm. And now that's just suspicious as well to me. Like, oh, what? Well, because she then she leaves for church camp, the church camp that was postponed. Oh, yes. Yeah. She left for church camp on July 7th, but she had spent July 6th boating on Cheat Lake with her mother, Patricia, and her mom's friend, Kelly Kearns. And both had noticed the cut on Rachel's ankle, but she made up some bullshit story about it. And there is some speculation that it was on this boat trip 
that the knives and the bloody clothes were disposed of in the lake. Oh, so she took the weapons possibly. Yep, and the day, yep, the day after um, the murder, she was on a, the boat with her mom and her mom's friend, and then July 7th, she left for church camp. Interesting. So Sheila, or Rachel, excuse me, was like, yeah, I'll come to a face-to-face interview when I get back from the camp, but then she never called them to set it up. When she came back from the camp, she just never showed up. Were they like, hey, hey, girl, it's us again? Well, yes, they came after her. To, to do the interview, and she told the exact same story as Sheila. I mean, the exact same story. And it was very, very suspicious to investigators because it seemed very rehearsed, which I've been there. That has happened to me, and it's pretty easy to spot. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mean that, like, I... I I investigate as part of my job, people. <laughs> if this is your first episode listening, you might be like, um, so you have suspiciously lied I was to the police. Say, so you're rehearsed. saying you've rehearsed <laughs> no. some stories before. No, no, no. <laughs> um, nevertheless, there was nothing to go on officially. And so, and Skylar was seen voluntarily getting into the car. So an Amber Alert was not issued. At this point in time, they don't have any reason to believe that she was kidnapped or that she isn't alive. Mm-hmm. Um. However, of course, as we see time and time again, the family's not buying it. They know, they know that she did not run away and that it was totally out of her character. Plus, she left her contact lenses, her phone charger, um, the bench that was propping uh, her window open, indicating that she was coming back. Right. They're like, nope. So, pus sack and shit face Sheila. <laughs> Um, Sorry, wasn't ready for that. (laughs) Sometimes I just like just It amazes me that that they can do this at their ages. I I have the capacity to, like, wrongfully confess to something because I would be so nervous. Right. How do they just, like, no, don't... Don't get me wrong. It's they're leading. They have some suspicious things they do, going yes. on. Yes, but they're still playing this. They are. Yeah. Like it just amazes well, me. Where are your souls? We're about to see in a second which one has a soul and which one doesn't. So I hold think on. I have some guesses, but mm-hmm. proceed. So the two start their junior year, August sixteenth. Skylar still hadn't returned home. The investigation seemed to be going nowhere, and um, Mary, niece contacted the state police because she had like I guess there was some big outburst at the city police department like my daughter didn't run away and it's school is now starting like she had excellent grades there is something majorly wrong here oh I'm sure so, that was triggering to have you know your daughter's not starting school yes, this year definitely oh that breaks my heart so the state police are, are now on the case. There's Corporal Ronnie Gaskins and Senior Trooper Chris Berry of the state police, and they started investigating a series of bank robberies in uh, Blanksville area, actually. And one bank had been robbed a month before Skyler's disappearance, and then another 10 days after. So troopers were like, hmm, is it possible that Skyler's disappearance has something to do with these frequent bank robberies? Okay. And the reason they connect it is because so they learned that the younger brother of one of the suspects had been romantically involved with Sheila oh. and had also been friends with Skylar. Okay. So they're like, we know that this dude's involved in the bank robbery. Okay. His little brother dated Sheila and is friends with Skylar. So there's this like loose connection here that they're like, there uh-huh. could be something here. And um, that man, that boy's name was Dylan Conaway. He was interviewed as a person of interest and remained as such all the way until the end of the case. Um, but, 
he did not have anything to do with the disappearance of Skylar. Troopers, so Gaskins and Barry reviewed the surveillance tape several times before finally figuring out that Sheila is never seen picking Skylar up at 11 p.m. Now, I've listened to several podcasts. I did a lot of reading on this case. And one of the first things that I picked up on when they said that that Skylar could be seen getting into that vehicle at 12.31 p.m., I thought to myself, why didn't they look for the video footage then of of what could confirm Rachel and Sheila's story about picking her up in front of the apartment complex at 11. Mm -hmm. It took them a little while to figure out, like, oh, shit. We don't see them ever picking her up. So this must be them picking her up at 1231. She wasn't picked up at 11. So why, why is that? Why are their stories not correct now? Right. For being so similar. Because was there a camera outside the apartment? Yes. That they, okay. And that's how they saw her get into, they saw uh, Skylar get into that silver vehicle at 1231. But there's no video footage. The story that Rachel and Sheila are telling everybody, the police and everybody, uh, is that the 11. we picked her up at 11. Uh-huh. So at 11, 11 o'clock, there's nothing. So I it was that was like bothering me the whole time I was listening to the other these other podcasts. I'm like, hello, why where is the why aren't we connecting this? Like that would be the first thing that I would have looked for. Mm-hmm. But perhaps it wasn't for them because they're thinking there is no way that this girl was murdered by her best friends. Right. That's probably what they were thinking. So they were taking different avenues, spending their time and energy on different avenues of the investigation that made more sense to them than trying to confirm these two girls' stories. Because whoever just thinks that, that the best friends are who killed her, you know, are, are responsible for her disappearance. Well, probably that's a us. It's a, that's a leap. At us, this for time, sure. Yes. But. But, but at the same token, I don't know, as an investigator, you are taught to rule out every angle because no one is safe. Everyone is a suspect until yeah, <laughs> until they're not. Yep. But anyway, with that information figured out. So what, they're finally like, all yeah. right. They got warrants to seize the electronic communication from Sheila and Rachel on September 3rd, 2012. So they seized their all electronic communications. Um, then they combed through the western parts of the state um, looking on back roads around Blanksville. They were also able to gather evidence from other security, security cameras around the city to call into question the timelines. In November, the girls were actually called into a federal grand jury to, it was basically like an evidentiary hearing, okay? And what it ended up being more about, the records are actually still kept secret to this day, but the people that were subpoenaed indicated that it was mostly about drug traffic in Blacksville, but also about Skyler and the bank robberies. So they were basically just trying to like go through evidence and they were subpoenaing people and questioning them. Uh-huh. One of the subpoenaed teens was Chrissy Swanson, who is Sheila's cousin. Okay. After that grand jury hearing, Chrissy called Tara, that is Sheila's mother, to reassure her what the hearing was about. Like, it was really just about the bank robberies and the drug traffic. It hadn't, didn't have anything to do with, like, the disappearance of Skylar. Okay. Now, at that point, Tara, Tara mentioned that Sheila had admitted through her attorney, Michael Benninger, 
that she, Rachel, and Skylar had been in Brave on the night of the disappearance, not just around Morganstown like they had originally said. Now, it's unclear why Sheila had decided to like deviate from her original story to her lawyer, but it's possible that it was in response to authorities poking holes in their timeline at this point. So it's like she's starting to kind of like realize, oh, oh shit, they're they're catching on. Yeah, they're poking holes in my timeline. So now I've got to start admitting some, you know, some other things. All Uh right. So Chrissy then called Sheila. Chrissy, she talked to Tara, Sheila's mom. Now she calls Sheila. Rachel and Sheila were together at the same time that Chrissy called Sheila to reassure them that everything was okay. But um, what Tara had said about Brave had left Chrissy in some doubt now. She's like, oh, wait a minute. Now she's changing her story. So, of course, Chrissy was just another pawn in Sheila's game. Sheila had, from the beginning, tried to insert herself into the investigation by manipulating others. So she then does this big display of crying on Skylar's bed many days, not not very long at all after having murdered her, um, just to, like, keep the nieces on her good side. Oh, Mm -hmm. that's sickening. She helped distribute missing persons posters around. When it came to the point in time, police told the nieces they don't, they should not be, like, Sheila used the nieces to figure out where they were in the investigation. Mm. And finally, the police figured that out and were like, like, you need to stop stop telling her anything. So then she started using other people. And I won't name them all because there's a lot of people, but to to ask the nieces questions, to ask police questions, to keep, yep, to keep up on the investigation. This is so disturbing and also so narcissist oh yeah you know so serial killer and like, and that i yes. mean just complete Ugh. yeah so meanwhile rumors are spreading at university high and scott like there the rumors and really where the police were at at first is that they know they're implicating skylar or implicating rachel and sheila okay but what they're thinking is that she had overdosed and that they left her and didn't do anything to save her. That's that, the rumor? Yep, that's the rumor at the school. That's what the police are thinking. Like, okay, we do think they have something to do with it. But they are not thinking cold-blooded mur- cold blooded murder. Uh, they really They're give, thinking negligence. They're really giving these girls the benefit of the doubt for way too long. Because they're best friends. Like, no yeah. one wants to think that th- two 16-year-olds are just going to go in on murdering their best friend. On their social media accounts, there are only a few mentions once in a while of Skylar and only when it was convenient for them. Um, while the rumors intes- intensified, so did, so at, at this point in time with the rumors going around U- University High, some they started to get harassed, okay? And um, there were some fiercely loyal friends that kind of came to their defense up until the point where they couldn't mm-hmm. anymore, but um, there were anonymous Twitter accounts that were set up to harass the girls, and whoever was behind these accounts had extensive knowledge of the case, including the ongoing criminal investigation, and Sheila seemed unmoved by all the harassment, even referring to the FBI as her buds. Which I wonder if Sheila was behind the anonymous Twitter. I was accounts. just thinking that. That's when no you said one, she was unmoved by them. No one else has ever said that, but that would be a very narcissistic and complete 
socio psychopathic Still putting yourself into yeah, the situation case, to create yeah. all the anonymous things just to harass you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, absolutely. So I I just wonder, but did they ever find a link to those no, accounts? No, I haven't. That no, that was me just my theory. There I didn't hear any didn't see any mention of that, but I do wonder if that it was her had happened. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Rachel though started to crack. While Sheila was deceitfully crying with the nieces and pretending to be helpful, Rachel never even visited Skylar's parents. So here she is supposed to be one of her best friends and never even comes over and says, I'm so sorry. Nothing. All the harassment from the authorities and other students started taking a toll on Rachel's mental health and she basically fell apart. She was sobbing in front of Sheila, who, of course, I'm sure you're not surprised to know, had no empathy whatsoever and considered her sobbing weak and pitiful. Uh, yep. Not surprised to hear that, but... No, but I, I do wonder if her arrogance made her unable to see that, um, and I do think that uh, the SkylarNiece.com makes mention of it too, like Sheila's arrogance is really like a big problem here because I don't think that she could see that Rachel's deteriorating mental health was going to be the the, the end of them. Mm-hmm. But once they established the cell phone records and the security camera footage that the girls um, had been near Blanksville that night and that Skylar had been texting with the girls when she was supposed to be, according to the girls' initial story, already in their car. Um, The authorities probably helped push Rachel into changing her story a little bit. Like, they're like, here's the evidence. You said that you picked her up at 11, but here you guys are texting, talking about picking her up. Because they didn't actually pick her up until 12.31 p.m. Mm -hmm. So... Like, why are you guys talking about picking her up when she should be in the back of that car already? Right, right. <laughs> this this I found interesting, too. Rachel was supposed to meet with her attorney on Spruce Street before the, po- before the polygraph, but on her way there, she jumped out of her father's car and ran away. And ran immediately to Tara's office, Sheila's mom. I'm just going to tell you that I think that Tara knew stuff all along. I'm starting to wonder. Mm -hmm. Um, At this point in time, this was on SkylarNiece.com too, and it made me laugh. Jessica Colbank had to be taken off the case because she called Tara a tool for appearing to stonewall the investigation. (laughs) Oh, Right on, Jessica. Give the girl a freebie. Right on. You are a tool if you are are stifling an investigation. The choice of words. I, yep. That's great. Yeah. It uh, sounds like something you would say. Like, I would be like, you're being a bitch. And you're just like, you tool. Total tool. Mm-hmm. With Rachel really deteriorating here, her parents, Patricia and Rusty, they were divorced. They decided to move in to back in together, like to try to help stabilize their daughter. Oh, wow. And Rusty's place in South Park had actually been a sanctuary for Rachel, who often fought and sometimes apparently very aggressively with her mom, who she saw as being very strict. And so when they uh, announced this, that this is what they were going to do, Rachel um, was not previously aware of these plans. And when they were coming home on their Dece- on their Chris- from Christmas holiday, December 28th, they pull into their driveway, and Rachel's like, um, what's Dad's car doing here? And they tell her. She started running around the neighborhood screaming, you're ruining my life. And as they were trying to move the confrontation from inside 
you know, or from outside in the driveway to inside, it got physical. And so eventually Rachel barricades herself into her room, threatened to kill herself. They had to call the police. And she, Rachel was then taken to Chestnut Ridge, which was a psychiatric hospital in Morgantown. While there, Sheila grew nervous of the, the breakdown. She tried several times to see Rachel, uh, yeah, to see Rachel. And the doctors and police officers, like, right away were like, she is not allowed to see her at all in here. And her parents said the same thing. But she tried several times. She was released five days later on January 3rd. Her parents immediately drove her to her attorney's office in downtown Morgantown, where an interview had been arranged with Corporal Gaskins and a federal polygraph examiner. So they were originally going to do this on the 29th, but that's when her breakdown happened and it postponed things a little bit. Now, prior to this, the polygraph that Sheila had taken, she failed. Oh, so now they're waiting on this one. They wanted to have her interview and her polygraph. Only a few questions into the interview, Rachel uttered the words, we stabbed her. Having expected something along the lines of she overdosed, the truth shocked everyone. Wow, They did not see, never once ever did they think that these girls had stabbed her. So Rachel told them what happened that they had picked Skylar up after midnight, driven her to a remote, remote back road near Brave, stabbed her to death, and buried her body. When asked why they did it, she could only come up with, this is the title of the episode, we just didn't like her anymore. Oh my gosh, so that was their why. That is their why. There's, We'll get to it more a little bit in the end, but there's also speculation of just that she had saw them having sex and... For Rachel, I think Rachel was dug, was drug into this because with her strict religious background, if Skylar had told anybody about her engaging in lesbian activity, it could be detrimental to her family life. I see. So I think that's how she was manipulated into agreeing with this. Um, yeah. Sheila was very open about her sexuality. Um, and really, Rachel was a proponent of like gay rights and whatnot, and so and so was Skylar. So it's not like she would have ever used that against mm-hmm. them. Was it? Do you think it was more of like my two close friends literally just started having sex in front of me? You know, like there a boundary was crossed. Yeah, yeah. You know well, what I mean? Yeah, like, most definitely. What it doesn't matter like who you're dating and whatnot, but you like you had sex in front of me. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming they didn't ask her if it was okay. They just started no, right. doing no, it. No, she walked in on yeah, yeah. So yeah. it turned from these three girls being friends to this like total boundary Awkward. crossed yes. and yep. yeah. So there there is that theory too. This is what they've always just maintained of like, well, we just didn't like her anymore. Like we couldn't just unfriend her. We, we had, had to, to kill, kill her. her. So it was agreed that Rachel would take them to the body immediately. The investigators, Rachel herself and her attorney, John um, Angotti, drove in two cars crossing the state line into Pennsylvania because that's actually where this all happened. When they arrived at the location where Rachel said they had killed Skylar, it was so snowy that Rachel couldn't pinpoint the exact spot where they had left her. So the investigators would have to wait for the snow to melt. Oh, wow. So they now know what happened, but with her body still not found, they had no evidence beyond Rachel's words knowing that Sheila would be anxious to meet up with their with with her buddy after being released from the psychiatric unit they put Rachel's room under electronic surveillance and tried to set up a meeting with Sheila and try to get something to have on her but unfortunately 
Rachel wasn't able to extract anything incriminating out of Sheila during that time. Oh, wow. Sheila actually posted on her Twitter account a picture of the two that night while the room was bugged so and she everything, knew. which was rather like revealing. Like you can see in that picture that she, Rachel does not look well. And two weeks later on January 16th, the investigators returned to the spot in this time with a canine um, unit. The snow had mostly melted, and while the dog's GPS handler was picking up a GPS tracker that had fallen off the dog, he noticed skeletal remains under a pile of branches. So six months after she disappeared, Skylar had finally been found. And it was really like, by having it wasn't the dogs that found her, it was just this tracker had fallen off the dog, so he went to pick it up and And noticed the remains. Uh. So Rachel's actually allowed, in the following months of this, Rachel's roaming free. And investigators are gathering evidence, particularly against Sheila, because she still hasn't confessed. And she did receive, Sheila probably received warning from her attorney or someone else, um, that, because at this point, her and Rachel are hardly ever in touch at all at this point, after their, their little meeting. And she actually tweeted the morning after that meeting, when the room was bugged, quote, first time I've ever been completely speechless, end quote, then followed by, holy fuck. So, like, I don't know if that's the condition that Rachel was in, seeing her state that she was in, because in their selfie that they took, she doesn't look well. Doesn't look good. Or if she, like, sensed that something was up. Mm -hmm. On the very next day, on January 4th, the investigators surprised Sheila and her family by serving a search warrant to seize every knife in the house and Sheila's car. Forensic investigators going in and out of the remote back road near Sheila's family land in Pennsylvania Um, could not, you know, be kept hidden from Sheila for long or for the public for that matter. So at this point, like Sheila knows that they're on to something and it's an over only a matter of time before they had found they were going to find Skylar's body. And then they do find it on January 16th. Both girls had to be homeschooled for the remainder of the school year to protect them from other students and to protect the students from them, of course. But this whole time they're acting normal. Like, the investigation's still going on, and they're gathering evidence against Mm -hmm. Sheila and just waiting to be able to charge her, okay? But instead, she's, like, tweeting about being stuck at home watching reruns of Law & Order, Special Victims Unit, and tweeting about being bored, and Rachel getting back with her boyfriend, Mackenzie Boggs, which, um, why, uh, by the way, she would often brag about all the places that they had sex at, which, like, why, who's getting back to, this girl, there's rumors about this girl being part of a murder and you're getting back together with her okay so that's just so bizarre to me um so she there there was tweets about the past is in the past um i'm on a new path there's just denial 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 um on february 10th several hours after she had tweeted happy birthday skylar she posted another tweet, and this is... She has a lot of nerve. No, this is Rachel. Um, she posted, I hate the shit that I think about at night. Yeah, She's, you gotta love the hi- the happy birthday, Skylar. Um, Sheila, Rachel is crumbling. So on... Yes, most definitely. On March 13th, after the body was identified as being Skylar by the FBI, everything was made public now, and... But nothing of the circumstances of her death were revealed. It's just that, you know, the body was identified. It is her. Dave and Mary had already been um, told all of these details Mm -hmm. a month earlier so that they weren't finding out on the news and whatnot. 
On the day of the announcement, Sheila tweeted, quote, rest easy, Skylar. You'll always be my best friend. Oh, my gosh. End quote. Skylar, or I'm sorry, Sheila is very, I just, I'm just so disrupted by how heartless she mm-hmm. is. She did this and she's acting like nothing happened. And well, and then Rachel posts several tweets, including, quote, rest easy. In peace, baby. I love and miss you more than anything. May you finally have justice, end quote. I'm sorry. The irony there. Puss sack. This is why I call you a puss sack. Really? You took her life. On April 1st, 2013, so right in the middle of everything, Sheila sent out a tweet in the universe that said, and this is going to turn your stomach, quote, we really did go on three. Oh my gosh. End quote. She is a sick and twisted sack of monkey shit. There's zero like, remorse. She was, yeah. Oh, none. She's none. probably enjoying all of this as it unfolds. On May 1st, as had been agreed, Rachel surrendered herself to the authorities and had her first day in court. She was transferred from juvenile to adult status. So she was tried as an adult. And she pled guilty to the murder of Skylar Niece. She agreed to testify against Sheila in the trial. In exchange for that, this prosecution agreed to recommend 20 years for second-degree murder, um, which could get her anywhere from 20 to 40 years. But they're like, okay, we will recommend your sentencing be, if you're going to plead guilty and you're going to testify against Sheila, Mm -hmm. we'll make a recommendation of second-degree murder, 20 to 40 years. The state of Pennsylvania agreed not to prosecute her because she could have been prosecuted over there as well because that's where the murder actually took place and where her body was. After the plea hearing, she was taken to the Northern Regional Juvenile Detention Center in Wheeling. While this was going on, Sheila was at Cracker Barrel Diner with her mother, anticipating that news of Rachel's incarceration would soon be out. State Trooper Gaskins and Special Agent Spurlock drove to arrest Sheila at her home. At the Cracker Barrel? No. Oh. At her home on Clear Spring Drive. However, no one was there. So Gaskins called Tara, Sheila's mom, to say that Sheila needed to be questioned again. Okay, they don't know she's going to be arrested. So Tara's like, no problem. We're eating at the Cracker Barrel. We'll meet you afterwards. And they're like, cool. That's Wonderful. where you're at. And they roll up hot and freaking arrest, arrest her as they were leaving the diner. Hope that was a good meal. Love it. So she was taken to the Lori Yeager uh, Junior Ju- Juvenile Center in Parkersburg. Soon after Sheila's arrest, news media is everywhere. I mean, this... This was a pretty hot situation. September 4th, Sheila Eddy was transferred to adult status. That meant that authorities could now publicize her name. Mm-hmm. And her arraignment was held on September 17th, where she pled not guilty. Oh, my gosh. Of course she did. Mm-hmm. To the charges, charges of murder, kidnapping, and conspiracy. And the judge set a trial date for October 22nd. Her behavior attracted attention. Dave, niece, who was in the courtroom that day, believed that Sheila was smiling. And by the way, she's smiling in her mugshot. Just so you know, she's one of those. I am not surprised. She had her hair done for court. She had highlights in. She showed up smiling. Don't she, tell me she had the Rococo style uh, outfit on. It wasn't Rococo, <laughs> but it was. she definitely was like dressed to the nines. Uh, Rachel sounds... was not as well put together. She was clearly suffering more. At least she had some kind of remorse for what she did mm-hmm. yeah i mean I at the she's very the least only one really um that did you'll be happy to know that her later mugshots 
when she can't have access to all the beauticians of the world in not jail. Not so cute. Not so pretty. No. We'll she's be not sure smiling to display those. so much anymore. Oh, yeah. I'm not showing any of them where she's smiling. She's sick. So her lawyers did try to, like, have... They, they put out motions to have the testimony of Rachel suppressed based on her alleged mental health issues and all that stuff. No, she has mental health issues because of what they did. Like, yeah. Not, yeah. yeah. Yep. So it was all denied. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Sheila only cried in court when something had to do with her. She never, ever cried when they talked about Skylar and the murder or anything. Rachel did. But Skylar never did. Skylar only cried at her when it was actually her sentencing. So Rachel's sentencing hearing began on February 2nd. And she did not put any effort into her looks at all. She... she, Hot mess. Nah, yeah. She kind of looked like she had just come right out of the saliva sack of Satan. It wasn't... (laughs) Yeah. Satan just had given birth. It just spit her out because she didn't didn't look great even though... I mean... She actually, so Rachel apologized personally to the nieces and cried when details of Skylar's final moments were described by the prosecution. And she didn't appear to cry for herself and accepted the sentence. She got 30 years for second degree murder. The judge made a compromise between the prosecution's recommendations and the nieces' wishes. Because the nieces did get to put give a victim impact statement. They even, um, in her denied request that she be sentenced to a juvenile as a juvenile, They said the court was saying that that implies that you're not assuming full responsibilities, responsibility. So, I mean, it didn't matter to the nieces. Like, no amount of remorse could bring their daughter back, so Mm -hmm. it really didn't matter. Skylar's aunt, Carol, actually said in a victim impact statement, and I hope that you really and truly regret what you did, but it would never make us feel any better. On flawless behavior, Rachel could be released in 10 years, but... That's, I mean, that's highly unlikely because Dave Neese has said publicly many times until his dying day, he will be at every parole hearing to parole test. I mean, I'm just, I get that they wanted to make a deal with her to testify, but at the same time, it's like, it it is not second degree degree murder. You you killed her, you know? You Mm -hmm. were just as much a part of it. Yep. I don't know. It's hard sometimes. I get they wanted... You know, they wanted that testimony, but come on. Yep. January 24th, there were rumors that Sheila was going to plead guilty and at her pretrial hearing, and they were confirmed. She started sobbing as soon as she sat down before the trial even began. She clung to her attorney for support. If I was that attorney, I'd be like, get off get me. Off of my for sure. Blazer, please. Get off the Gucci, honey. <laughs> for sure. You're um, getting mascara and cheap foundation on it. Uh, she didn't make any. Like statements, most of her answers were yes, sir, no, sir. She spoke two words to the judge. Like she she did not say anything. She pled guilty. And in exchange for her guilty plea, the prosecution, which was Marsha Ashdown, agreed to a sentence of 15 years to life. What? Uh-huh. So Rachel got 30 years and Sheila got 15 years to life. And Pennsylvania agreed not to prosecute her. And this is where Dave Neese, like I said earlier, swore that he'd be at every parole hearing to make sure that Sheila never walks free. Um, I will join Dave because that is some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, not, are you kidding me? Nope. 15 years to life. So in 15 years, she'll be up. And this was in 2000 and what was the, 
2014. In 15 years, she could have her first parole hearing, whereas, you know, it's possible that in 10 years, Rachel could if she had immaculate behavior. But, I mean, Rachel's sentence was actually 30 years. So who knows when her first parole hearing will come up. But this poor family is going to have to fight to keep these two monsters in prison. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they will. every parole hearing. Because you know they'll probably go to prison and be model. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. Prisoners. Sheila, especially because she's manipulative. Uh I think Rachel will struggle mentally in prison. But yeah. This is horrible for the family. Yeah. Just horrible. I know. I know. It's so mean. So... So some of the theories, like we had said, you know, they all Rachel, I mean, Sheila never gave any indication of why they did it. Never. It was only Rachel that said we just didn't like her anymore. But there's worries that, you know, maybe they worried that Skylar would divulge their secrets. But at the same token, like Sheila especially was not very secretive uh-huh. at all. There was just some basic theories. And I agree with this one that Sheila is a psychopath. Um, there was yeah. rumors in her childhood that she liked to run over animals. She liked killing we often see that in, in mm-hmm. young children. So, And there was zero remorse yeah, for what she no. did. Uh, she definitely displays a lot more of the psychopathic tendencies and behavior than Rachel. I think Rachel was, I think Rachel was unfortunately was maybe a weak, pulled into weak it. pawn in all of this. Mm-hmm. But hey, she did it too, so yeah, she, she deserves just as big of a, and a part As of long it. as they were plotting it, I feel like it almost became some kind of sick fantasy, fantasy. for them. I agree. Where, like... On Rachel, I don't know about Sheila as much, but it seems like Rachel, after the fact, realized what she did. And as mm-hmm. a teenager, not thinking yep. about the outcome, got wrapped up in that fantasy of like, oh, we just, you know. Well, and need I, to do I wonder this. too if she actually thought that Sheila was bullshitting the whole night. And then all of a sudden, it was, they're doing it. And she counted to three and she's at it. And then mm-hmm. was like, what is she going to do to me if I don't do it? Like, I don't know. But it could be. I feel like with the teen cases we have done, it's kind of that same thing where they, I feel like they don't realize the permanency mm-hmm. of it and they don't think about the outcome. Definitely. And I mean, I feel like we see that time and time again. Those like Sheila, I mean, I still feel like after the fact there was no remorse, but right, right. at least Rachel was like, oh my God, what have I done? Yes. And it broke her down mentally. Mm-hmm. So wow. there it is. There is that terrible case. And do you want a brain bath? I do. So some listeners have started writing in their own brain baths, which thank you, guys. Um, we have one. I've, I've asked her if I have permission to use her name yet, so I don't want to give this. I'm not going to say it yet because I want, I'm waiting for her to respond back. But I'm going to give you my own. Oh, I have one do. from my childhood that I thought that you might enjoy. So my cousin and I used to like to videotape ourselves singing and dancing because you know we were oh. madonna uh-huh like I, it was i'm but i had it was a, gonna happen i had an old school recorder too oh, yes and so we had we got to use not only were we recording ourselves on the radio recorder but also a video camera oh nice my parents video camera which i wasn't supposed to have okay oh forbidden yes I was a little bit of a rebel. I can I you know, can see that. Stealing the video camera to record myself dancing to Material Girl because I didn't realize it was <laughs> Material Girl. And so we're we're doing our thing, dancing around while the video camera falls off the stool that we so stupidly set it on. It was a cushioned stool. Oh. We set the video recorder, the big ass, this is 1992 circa <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, so yes. they're huge. It's on a cushioned stool. It falls. My parents hear this big, loud crash, and my mom calls up the stairs. Girls, 
what was oh, that? The old girls. Uh-huh. And my cousin says, it was just the stool. It's fine. And my, and my mom says, okay. And you can hear me whisper, thanks for saving our butts. Okay. <laughs> Guys, I said it was a video recorder, right? You did. So the next time that my parents went to use the video recorder and it no longer worked because it was only recording white static, not in a sound, the audio worked beautifully, but the picture was so only they, white static. So they heard you. So they found the evidence. All they had to do was play that tape and see us dancing and then <laughs> see it crashing. <laughs> the screen goes to white static, but the audio is clear as day. My mom hollering up the stairs, my cousin lying, and me whispering, thanks for saving our butts. I feel like it, it probably came together beautifully after that and i'm dumb enough to when they confronted me still lied about it and was like no the video recorder Mm -hmm. didn't fall what are you talking about no and they played the tape right for me right in front of me i was shaking did you crumble at the interrogation i was so scared (laughs) and i that like how could you be so stupid you rookie mistake second grader you second grader yeah uh, gave yourself away. Sure did. <laughs> That's an incredible story. I am glad <laughs> it you is, shared it's it. It's a family favorite. I'm pretty sure my parents still have the tape, although I don't know that they have a VCR anymore. But still, the evidence is still lingering out there <laughs> still, somewhere in the universe. Still there. Oh, I love and it. So that is my advice to all kids: just you know, make sure tell the truth first. Sure, or hide the evidence. <laughs> one, yeah, or whichever one. You throw want. away the tape. I can't yeah. believe I like really. But you you should have seen it, Amber, how crystal clear that audio still was, even though the the video was no longer working. It was I a, love it. It's a life lesson for sure. So I hope you enjoyed that little personal story of mine. And if you guys have a funny brain bath, send them to us, crimecurious at yahoo.com. Um, or Facebook message us, whatever's convenient for you. Follow us on social media, interact with us. We love it. And uh, until next week, everyone. Bye. Keep it curious. Oh, yes. And also keep it keep curious. Keep it so curious. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>